1: This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is Martin. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger
2: Franklin Williams Show. A program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending. America's Founding Traditions of God, Family, Country. Friends, it's great to be with you today on a wonderful, warm weekend throughout Central Florida. i have got a great show. We have a great show for you, and um, we'll get into that moment. Of course, first of all, I want to remind you, remind everybody that the Roger Frank and William Show is presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster, and of course, Christner's is where you'll find generous servings of prime beef, and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old-school elegance and sophistication. Later in our program, we are look forward to being joined by our regular contributors from Topaz Clinical Research, Marjorie Guzman and Carla Francisco. They've got to, uh, a number of clinical trials taking place right now. And two of the major ones, which I'm sure you've been hearing about on our stations, are the clinical trial for OCD, and then also um, the memory screen that they are offering as well. So um, we look forward to hearing more about those from Marjorie and Carla, and just the um, the exciting field of clinical research and the the service that Topaz Clinical Research offers for. For us, uh, fortunate enough to live in in Central Florida. Before we are joined by Marjorie and Carla, though, I want to continue our focus, the Roger Franklin Williams Show focus, on President's Day. um, And of course, the month of February, which was filled with the birthdays of outstanding American presidents. Um, Three that come to mind, and it's not limited to those three, but that come to mind immediately are, of course, George Washington. President Ronald Reagan, and, of course, President Abraham Lincoln. And I would like to, last week, and, and, and before we go further, I want to, again, thank our guests from last week, both Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima. It was great to have a long conversation with, with Sheriff Lima, and, of course, that's now posted on our website, theanswerorlando.com. And um, really appreciate him coming over and appreciate the the work that he's doing to specifically, uh, not just in Seminole County, certainly especially Seminole County, but uh, statewide and nationwide uh, in the effort to combat the, the very big problem of opiate, opiate abuse and all the related problems and, and uh, the, whole, the the fentanyl problem as well. It was also great to catch up with our friend Mary Sue Winog owner, with her husband Bill, of Wekaiva Island, and of course the Wekaiva out which we talked about, is still going on right now. But to, to, I, I did, you know, with, with the great cast that we had last week, I didn't get around to talking about, once again, more about uh, our first president, George Washington, his incredible legacy, and I want to continue uh, to make a priority. I want to do that today. So, um, And when, another point that I would make there, whether it applies to President's Day or the month of February where we have so many, um, you know, birthdays of great presidents and, and the month, uh, you know, where President's Day uh, is included or whether it's Valentine's Day or whether it's Black History Month or or whatever or Christmas. So you don't just we don't just from my perspective, we don't only um, aren't relegated, if you will, to only talking about those topics within the specific month or specific week or specific day, um, they're appropriate to talk about in, in, at any time. And that's the spirit that I'm going to continue to speak about George Washington today and then uh, most likely uh, over the course of, of, of the upcoming year. But there were there was one point, uh, one, one theme I guess I wanted to address, make sure that I addressed, and we have it um, – Really hit that specific theme in the the times I spoke about President George Washington and his his phenomenal leadership um, uh, over, over the month of February, um, and that's the point I wanted to make today. Specifically, are at least in four different areas, uh, George Washington was literally indispensable into the creation of the United States of America and to the successful the successful start. Of the nation, of helping the nation actually go from dream to reality, um, from revolution to a functioning constitutional democratic republic, and also st- uh, offering the kind of leadership that that st- was able to establish a foundation for the country uh, to get off literally on on the right foot uh, and on, on successful footing. So, I want to address those. And there may be more, but there are specific four at least specific areas where George Washington's leadership was literally indispensable to the founding of the country and to the successful um, you know, application, um, the successful start of the country as a constitutional democratic republic. And and, and of course, you know, he's uh, George Washington is known by historians, uh, regarded by historians as the indispensable man specifically quote indispensable man. And of course that's, you know, obviously means that without him, without this one individual, phenomenal individual, the the, the country would not have become a reality or a successful reality. And we're of course, not, and before we get into it, because I usually get so carried away, I never get around to all the four points, but so I'll hit the four points at the top and then try to talk uh, briefly as possible about each one of them. But the four areas from my perspective, where Washington leadership was indispensable, his not to mention his leadership, his skill. He just George Washington had was an extraordinarily skilled, um, talented individual in terms of living a su- successful life. Uh, literally everything that he, ever, that he did um, w- w- was done successfully. Uh, he uh, there's, there's a, a, a a phrase that's been. That was coined in fairly recent years, um, called emotional intelligence. Well, George Washington was, was a perfect example of emotional intelligence. It just means that he was that no matter, incredible example of practical intelligence. You know, whatever the situation might be, he just had an uncanny wisdom, um, and ability to be able to size up a situation, size up a problem, and know how to successfully deal with it. So the four areas are one. Of course, his incredible leadership and perseverance. Uh, as the general of the Continental Army. Obviously, if the war's not won, um, there's not going to be a country. Uh, if the revolution is put down, um, you're not going to have the United States of America. And time and time and time again, George Washington, with his own unique, innovative, uh, indomitable um, personality and style and leadership, his incredible Christian faith, his incredible will, desire to not give in, not to give up, to persevere, um, allowed the country to stay together, the Continental Army to stay together, and the country to stay together long enough, and it was a long time in order to ultimately prevail against, of course, what was the most powerful political, economic, and military power in the world at the time, the, the British Empire. And really, when you this is where I kind of get off track because once you really start to just think about that situation, uh, try to put yourself there and think about you. Know, if you were doing a, you know, the old Benjamin Franklin way to to look at uh, problems, on the one hand you look at all the pluses on the uh, you know draw a line uh, down the middle of a piece of paper on the left you put all the pluses on the on the right you put all the minuses. There would have been virtually no pluses and and scores, hundreds, thousands of of, of minuses. When you talk about you know just a, a bunch of farmers and artisans um, and lads, um, and and many of the soldiers in the continental Army were were under twenty years old, um, up against the most powerful military machine in the country. I mean, it, it's not it's almost irrational that you would even attempt that, and it's almost and it's ira- almost irrational that you'd even be able to succeed at it. Well, the reason we succeeded uh, was literally because of just the perseverance and faith of George Washington and let's not forget his military skill. The, the battle of Trenton um, is one of the, which of course was closely followed up by the battle of Princeton, which is a lot less lesser known, um, literally saved the army in the country a, at that moment. Um, and, it, and there's a great um, movie actually, literally it was a production um, called the crossing, which documents the battle of Trenton. And it really, really Gives you great insight into just what a what dire circumstances the country and the Continental Army were when Washington undertook this incredibly bold initiative, high risk initiative, to attack the the cross the Delaware in the dead of winter, um, the freezing Delaware River, and then attack the uh, launch an attack on the Hessians. Um, so anyway, and and that's what and that 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 one event literally saved saved the the, 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 the country basically. Um, And you can do, of course, a whole series of shows just on that. Um, But then also, as things persevered, you skip ahead maybe six years later or so, um, after the Battle of Yorktown, when from a military perspective, things were were going well, um, British were getting tired, basically – you know, there was a lot of political opposi- opposition now in Parliament uh, to the war. Uh, there were uh, imp- important voices calling for maybe let's let's just, let's just call a stop to this and work, work something out with the uh, with what we would call the Patriots, what they call the Rebels, um, the Colonials. Anyway, things were so dire in terms of the lack of ability of the Continental Congress to um, to raise money they couldn 't pay the army they couldn 't pay the soldiers or the officers. Um, the country was literally uh, over a year in some cases years multiple years in debt to the officer corps um, and many of these guys had had put up their own money and used their own money and resources to help support the cause um, many of us, uh, to the point of bankruptcy, uh, General Nathaniel Green went bankrupt because of his support financial support of, of the effort uh, but anyway, uh, it got to such an acute point there was there was um, An event called the Newburgh conspiracy where these guys and we're going to go just a little bit longer in in this segment um, because I want to get all four points in the the Newburgh conspiracy where the officer corps, many of them close allies and, and loyal soldiers to George Washington had had enough and they were ready to revolt to literally march on Congress and say, look, you know, enough of this. You know, you're obviously too weak to to even have a country. You know, we're ready. We want our money and we want it now uh, kind of a situation. And we're not we're not going any further with this. Um, anyway, it took incredible leadership for Washington, uh, a skillful leadership to, to put this conspiracy down. And and even before it it got to the ultimate acute stage, which was literally one small step away from from the ultimate the officer corps re, re, rebelling and revolting against the country. Um, Washington was presented with the with the opportunity by the uh, you know, various leaders in the effort uh, to become the king. Um, they made a, in fact, there was a passionate um, appeal to Washington to, to please become king because the Continental off, uh, Continental was just wasn't working. So, um, so anyway, that was the situation. Um, where, you know, how many people in world history would have have, declined that opportunity? So my point is, Washington declined the opportunity to become king because he had such a faith and a belief in the cause, and in the cause specifically of Republican um, uh, government, the Republican ideal, the constitutional democratic Republic, republic, which, you know, is also commonly known as a democracy. Uh, as opposed to uh, you, know, you know, obviously a, a, a kingdom or um, a monarch or, or, or you know all, all the other forms of government to that point in America in, in in the world history. The two other points were his leadership at the Constitutional Convention. We'll pick that up when we uh, for, when we get back from break and talk about Washington's leadership at the Constitutional Convention in the, in the late 1780s uh, when it became obvious to everybody the the. Just the Articles of Confederation were not working. The system that they had in place wasn't good, wasn't working and probably wasn't going to work. Um, and then finally, his leadership as president, uh, establishing the country on a solid foundation, successful foundation. And then finally, um, a fifth point uh, when he uh, stepped away from power as president, relinquished power. And then another point that I missed was um, so there are actually six major points um, when he re- surrendered his sword. After the Revolutionary War had been won, when he gave up military power and went, um, and made sure that everybody understood that military power was subservient to the power, the governmental power, which, which in this case was the power of the people, since we were striving to have a constitutional democratic republic, established the precedent of military under civilian leadership. Those are, are six incredible things, um, that none of which, um, without George Washington's Individual, personal leadership and commitment to the cause, commitment to constitutional democratic government um, would have taken place, and there would have been no United States of America uh, as it becomes. Well, friends, we're going to take that quick break, and then we'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Please stay with us.
1: Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show.
2: Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to be with you today, and I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you. We'll continue speaking about George Washington, his extraordinary leadership um, in this segment, and then, and then of course, um, before we go further, and then once again, I want to again thank Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lima for joining us last week uh, for that and having a great discussion with him. Of course, you can find it now posted on our website. At the, the and it was great to catch up with Mary Sue Weinog as well, and have her share about the exceptional event hosted, put on by, sponsored by, and put on by the the company that you know, her, her company of uh, she owns with her husband Bill Wekaiva Island. And of course, it's the we, the annual Wicaha Pain Out, the seventeenth annual Wicaha Pain Out, and it was great to have her share about that with us on our program. I'd like to now continue to talk about the leadership of George Washington, and um, before we do that, though, I want to give you a word from our friends over at Sheeler Auto Repair and, of course, let you know that you can trust those guys, as I say every week and have been saying for many, many years. I've been taking my car there for over 20 years. As I mentioned before, recently I had to have some major repairs uh, to the point where, first and foremost— you know, I I needed to have somebody evaluate the car, evaluate the situation to that knew what they were doing that were skilled <laughs> um to be able to figure out exactly what the problem was and exactly what it would take to fix it if it was even fixable. Um fortunately it was. Uh, it was fixable by them, whether it would have been fixable by everybody, uh, probably not the case. Um because those guys really know what they're doing and they've got, you know, decades of experience. But then just to have a the, uh, the opportunity to to be able to take my car somewhere in that situation crisis situation where i knew i could trust the people um and, and knew that i'd be charged that i would get a fair price and and the vehicle would be taken care of um you know in in a professional manner uh, that's that's the kind of service that that you'll get to at Sheila auto repair you can find them at 1908 south orange blossom trail apokike and of course with the weather getting <laughs> i would say getting warmer or having gotten warm <laughs> having gotten hot um great time to remind you about the guys up at Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair. Of course, they're your one-stop headquarters for all of your lawn and garden needs. And they carry the best lawnmowers and outdoor power equipment products in the business. You can find out more at ApopkaMower.com. That's com. Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair. It's where they sell the best and they fix the rest. Now, back to... More discussion about George Washington, and I want to I'll pick up a couple of the the points that that I kind of you know didn't elaborate on or didn't have a chance to elaborate on it as much. But first and foremost, the six different ways where George Washington, as a unique individual with his unique leadership, with his very powerful, very strong Christian faith, with his his his, his ability uh, to be a leader, his ability to to be that authority figure, but to be an authority figure that didn't rule uh, autocratically, didn't rule by forcing people to do what he said, which that's pretty much the only <laughs> model of leadership in the world at that time. <laughs> um, and in, in as, as we all know, uh, in most most cases even today, um, but he was able to, to lead by, I guess, by example, by a combination of, of course, his incredible authority – Discipline and accountability, which you've got to have in the military, but also inspirational readership. Um, He was such an inspiring figure, and he was so dedicated uh, to the cause, and it was so obvious that he was dedicated to the cause of the country, to the cause of the people, the cause of constitutional democratic republic, what some would call democracy, that he put put that cause above himself, above his own self-interest, above what was good for George Washington. He put what was good for the country and for the people above what's, uh, and, and for the Continental Army, um, above what was good for George Washington. And that was so obvious, it was explicit. It was so powerful, it was obvious. And, and I think that's the core of, 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 of his, of his leadership, of course, along with, of course, the most important ingredient was, was God's blessing. But, so I'd like to hit the six points again and then maybe elaborate on, on, on some of them, um, if we have a moment, have time. And of course, the first was as leader of the Continental Army, and it was it was a, a kind of a leadership that. It, and, and I think that anybody, the more that any of us learn about the Continental Army, um, the 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 battle, the Revolutionary War, is how powerful of a, it seems. What a, what a situation of of a, a dire consequence, a dire circumstances. And what I mean by that, the incredible contrast between the two sides, incredible contrast between Washington's army, underfunded, poorly fed in many cases, I mean to the point where Valley Forge men were literally starving to death, um, didn't have – hardly had any resources at all. In many cases, the men didn't even have weapons. In many cases, they didn't – have uniforms, didn't have food in some cases, didn't have tents in the winter. I mean, that's what we're talking. That's what we call, by. that's what I'm talking about, about dire circumstances. Did not even have the, the most basic necessary essentials to even have an army. Somehow, Washington was still able to get men to fight, uh, to, to stay, um, not to desert, not to go home, to to reenlist, uh, just to keep fighting for the cause, and to do it successfully enough to beat the most powerful military on, on in the world at the time, it, I mean, it doesn't even—it's it, just—it's literally mind-boggling. And and that that the the the, the, you know, the the Patriots were able to to win that war, even last long enough for it to even in get to the Battle of Yorktown. Um, and and, and I would say it's literally the ninety-five percent uh, if not ninety-nine percent, if not ninety-nine point nine percent, all because of George Washington. And his, not only his credible commitment, but his, his, his leadership and, and just the fact that, um, his ability. I mean, I think one thing I don't think gets talked about enough is just his, his very innovative, um, wisdom, his, his wise leadership and, and his ability to, 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 to execute maneuvers like the Battle of Trenton, um, to execute maneuvers like the Battle of Princeton to execute some of the retreats that, that he was able to orchestrate. Uh, you know, there were at least three different times when the continental army was pinned with their backs to a, to a, a river or, 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 they were, or, or, or backs. And they were in a situation where the, um, the British, if the British had just attacked, launched an attack, they could have ended the war, captured Washington's army, captured him, ended the war at that moment. At least three different times, um, they were so overconfident that three different times they chose. Um, in fact, one, one general at one point said, uh, We'll just, that's one of his uh, his subordinate officers was urging this attack, and it was late in the afternoon um, to, to finish Washington off. And the general said, I, I believe it was, uh, well, I'm not going to say because I'm not sure 100% sure it was, but um, said, ah, That's okay. We'll, we'll bag the fox in the morning. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, we, we, this is done. We don't need to stress over it. He's sitting right over there. Yeah, you know, we got more men and weapons and and firepower than he's got. We'll, we'll get him in the morning. We'll get a night. We'll have nice, night's nice sleep, and uh, we'll bag the fox in the morning. Well, uh, by the morning, the fox was gone. Uh, Washington had once again orchestrated another extraordinarily brilliant retreat to once again save the Continental Army. So that's what I'm talking about. Not just not just leadership. Not just. Um, commanding figure for commanding authoritative presence, but a guy who was really, really good in tough situations. You know, a guy who was really, really good at finding solutions in the most dire uh, of circumstances. So anyway, number one, leadership as general of the continental army. Um, Secondly, as I mentioned before, had the opportunity to become king. uh, Whereas the army was able to be successful because of Washington's abilities and leadership the actual governmental structure, the Continental um, Congress, the Articles of Confederation, and the Continental Congress were failing, failing miserably. Had no uh, ability to raise money, had no taxing authority, weren't able to fund the army, um, all all other kind of problems. Massive, ridiculous, runaway inflation. Uh, the country, the, the 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 political structure, the governmental structure, uh, was w- was on the brink of collapse. So. Washington was presented with the opportunity to, which probably was a you know, probably a pretty decent idea at the moment, uh, to assume control. Um, you know, we need your leadership to take control of the situation. Um, use your authorities, general, to take over and straighten things out. Um, he refused. He re- declined that opportunity because he believed in the cause. And if he had he done that, there never would have been a United States of America, a uh, democratic republican form of government that that, that we have have that we that we had and which has flourished and been such a powerful influence in the force in the world. So he declined the opportunity to become King uh, later after he was able to successfully put down the Newberg conspiracy, which was a, uh, an effort by the officer corps to basically rebel against the incompetent ineffectual continental Congress and articles of confederation. Um, cause he hadn't been paid in years in some cases and, and, and they were, they were, they, they were ready. <laughs> they were getting sick of this situation. Um, were not going to put up with it anymore. Um, they were going to rebel against the, the country and against Congress. Um, Washington was able to very incredibly skillfully put that down. <laughs> but once again, um, uh, hand accounts are that only Washington could have turned the tide on that. Uh, that's the third thing. And then um, once he was able to successfully put that down and they were able to, um, it, the war was able to win. the Treaty of Paris was signed. Uh, Washington um, surrendered his sword. Um, he went back. He, he he subjugated himself as the military commander, the military leader, to civilian authority, to that government, which obviously um, you know, many felt, and which actually was it, it, it incompetent. It would have been the easiest thing in the world for him to say, "Look, <laughs> yeah, you know, we we need somebody to straighten this out. I I, I can handle this. Um, I'll get things straightened out, and we'll worry about you know going back to that former government later." No, he had he had such a belief in the cause of. Of constitutional democratic republican government, democracy, if you will, uh, government by the people is a better way to put it. Um, that that he you know subjugated his own um, opportunity for power, if you will, um, even though that might have been a good thing at that moment, uh, to to the overriding ideal of 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 constitutional republican government of of, of government of for and by the people. That that's incredible um and then later of course his incredible role his leadership role at the continental convention um putting a constitution in place that was going to form a stronger government that could be more effective um and then and, and there was a lot of opposition to that a lot of the the founders a lot of the key people in the revolutionary war effort um in the fight for liberty were not for uh, the, uh, the the constitution and it it took a, a battle to, to get it approved, um, so once again Washington w- was at the forefront of that effort. He was actually presided over the Constitutional Convention. And then later, uh, as president, um, his leadership, wisdom, ability uh, got the country off on on a sound footing. He established the precedents that essentially defined the presidency, the role of the presidency. And then after that, after two terms, he established the tradition of the president stepping away from power. And returning to civilian life, all six incredible things, all um, uniquely unique aspects of George Washington's incredible life. And it's, uh, those are you know just some, just a tiny uh, few of the reasons that we should always remember Washington's leadership and the impact that he made on our country and on on the world. Well, friends, it's time for another break. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back on The Roger Franklin Williams Show.
1: Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams show and now here's Roger and this is my turn.
2: friends welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams show it's great to be here with you today on the first weekend in the month of March hope you're having hope your New Year's off to a good start it's yeah, certainly off to a warm start and we're glad that you're joining us today. Of course, the Roger Franklin Williams Show is a program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Right now, we're continuing, we're extending, I guess, our coverage, if you will, and commentary on President's uh, Day and President's Month, uh, the month of February. Um, with right now, we'll continuing to talk about George Washington and just— um, various facets of his leadership and the and the the the, the, sp- the sp- specific ways that he, his incredible life his um was 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 indispensable into the founding of our country and into the successful start of our country especially as a constitutional democratic republic um before we go back to that discussion I, want, of course, want to remind you that the Roger franken Weems Show is presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. It's where you'll find generous servings of prime beef and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old-school elegance and sophistication. They're conveniently located in Orlando on Lee Road, just two blocks west of I-4. Reservations recommended, and you can get those at 407-645-4443. Also want to give you a word, of course, with spring right around the corner and with warm weather already here, about our friends over at Miller Sod Sales and uh, let you know that Miller Sod Sales strives to do their best for every customer, every time. Miller Sod Sales takes great pride in their clean, well-maintained equipment, their honest, dependable work, and their fresh, quality sod. Let Miller Sod Sales green up your life. Family owned and operated since 1995. You can find out more at John Miller, Trucking and dot com. That's John Miller Trucking and dot com. And friends, we um, as we get back to our discussion of the leadership of George Washington, I would like to go back and um, revisit the Battle of Trenton because I have learned, you know, and of course, you know, back when we, I was in school and when most of us were in school, that was uh, something that we learned um, in, in various grade levels ab- about the the Battle of Trenton. And I think we all know about it. We know the iconic uh, painting and things like that. What I have literally only learned in recent years uh, due to reading more about that era, the Continental about the Revolutionary War period, about George Washington specifically, is what dire straits the army and the country were in at that time, and what an incredible, um, just um, I can't think of the exact right word now. What incredible underdogs, if you will, that the Continental Army was at at, at that moment. The odds, how what, what an incredible situation of against all odds type of situation. And that's what I'd like to share with you right now because and and I would say my primary source is the book 1776 by David McCullough, um which and I would highly, highly, highly recommend this book to everyone. Um, and he documents and, and, and the book is the na- is the name of the title. The title is of the book is, is what the book is. It's literally an accounting of the year 1776, starting in January all the way through to December 31st. And, of course, the Battle of Trenton was on believe, the day after Christmas. Um, and it, it is through um, – and then also, as I've mentioned, the a personal favorite of mine is the movie The Crossing. It's now about 20 years old, which is kind of mind-boggling because it seems like it just came out like it came out. I don't know if you if 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 you have the, some of those same feelings about events and things uh but uh, yeah um anyway, it seems like it just came out it came out 20 years ago. Um Jeff Daniels plays George Washington and does a phenomenal job in my opinion. But whereas the movie, it's a dramatic, it's it's a dramatized account, and and you know they do take some liberties, but for the most part, as far as you know um, theatrical productions go, as far as movies go, I I would say it's at least you know ninety to ninety five percent accurate, and it does a great job, um, and there's no really wholesale major inaccuracies. They just take a few uh, few liberties, but. um, for a dramatic effect, but the point is, the movie really helps to to illustrate what dire circumstances um, the Continental Army was in at, at at that time, and what an incredible, monumental underdogs you know the the Continentals were, um, not just in that situation, but also the country was in literally literally hanging by a thread to survive. And that's the point that I want to try to, to get across is, you know, what, what I had known prior to that point was that, um, you know, a, a dramatic event crossed the freezing river um, in dramatic style, attacked the Hessians, uh, you know, surprise attack, um, you routed them. And, and it seems like a pretty matter of fact kind of, kind of a situation. Um, just some, some of the some of the facts of the situation are, and, and we're not even we haven't gotten to the point about the the river essentially being virtually in, uncrossable. Um, in fact, um, as is presented in the, in the movie version, the crossing, the the fellow the the officer that George Washington was relying on to orchestrate the trip across the river to or, you know, everybody in the boats, you know, try to get the boats across the river, get, get the artillery on the boats, get the horses on the boats. Um, but just so it's been an, you know, an incredibly difficult undertaking. And this is, uh, uh, Colonel Glover from Massachusetts, uh, w- tried to convince Washington that this isn't possible. <laughs> this isn't really doable. Okay. You're asking me to do something that, that, I, it can't really be done, <laughs> but I mean, but that's kind of the uh, that that says a lot about Washington's indomitable spirit and and just the fact that he, um, you know, his, his ability to 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 take take calculated risks, take risk uh, when when it, when he felt it was necessary. And but the, the the point of the situation was by that time, Washington's army, which had had over twenty thousand men. Uh, during the summer when they began to engage in several battles with the British uh, in New York city specifically and around New York city um, had, and of course all those battles went very, very badly. And uh, Washington, the continental army lost battle after battle. Some of them routes, um, you know, terrible, terrible losses, terrible battles. um, And Washington had, had, had to retreat over and over and over again. Some of those were brilliant retreats. Anybody else would have been captured, and um, the the, you know, the whole thing would be over by that time. But my my point is, after getting off to a great start, um, in 1775 in Massachusetts around Boston, of course, starting with Lexington and Concord, Battle of Bunker Hill, um, being being able to uh, be able to, uh, taking. Fort Ticonderoga, which was over in western New York, out in the western part of the country at that time. Um, Colonel Henry Knox being able to go and and get the artillery, get the cannon from um, Fort Ticonderoga, bring them all the way across the country in the dead of winter, get them over to Boston. Um, Washington was able to skillfully get those positioned um, around the cities, and so basically, the the British just gave up Boston. They just they left. They uh, so the the Continentals were riding high at that point. Um, they pushed They pushed the the Brits out of Boston. Pushed them out of Massachusetts. Um, but anyway, the tide turned rapidly and quickly. Once the battleground became New York, and there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, I guess the main reason, which I'm you know. You, know, you you kind of wonder why it wasn't obvious to the Continentals um, at the time, but I you know, Washington, New York, especially around New York City, is, is just surrounded by water. And you know, the British had not only had a powerful navy; it was you know arguably the most powerful navy in the world, along with the French. I guess technically, we might have to give that to the French because because uh, you know the, the the French prevailed over the the British navy at the Battle of Yorktown, which is what what gave us our freedom essentially, um, but anyway, a very powerful navy. We didn't even have a navy, so they were able to successfully just uh, you know control uh, the waterways, um, bringing in supplies, cutting off our supplies, um, bringing in men you know by the tens of thousands, and so anyway, by the point once the the battleground, the turf got south of of Boston and south of Massachusetts, the tide turned dramatically, and whereas the Patriots had been winning. Um, and holding their own in military skirmishes, now they begin to lose everything. Washington k- retreated uh, had retreat after retreat after retreat, uh, finally found his way down to Pennsylvania, and by that time, his army had dwindled from something like over for over twenty thousand men down to literally just a few thousand men. He had about two thousand with him. General Gates had about a thousand to fifteen hundred with him. General Lee had about a thousand to fifteen hundred with him, uh, and that was the army. And the point was that Washington was in such a precarious situation that, the, once again, the Brits, uh, you know, were, were were very highly confident that it was just a matter of time that there was no way Washington and the Continentals could, would even have a chance to win. That they didn't press their advantage more aggressively. In fact, the, the the odds were so, um, against the Continentals and the Patriots that the British didn't even, um, you know, weren't even as, as aggressive, uh, in trying to finish the thing as they should have been, uh, because they were so, um, so confident. It was so obvious to them that they were going to win. Um, so why sweat it? So, but those are some of the precursors of the Battle of Trenton. And, and before we go to break, one more powerful thing is that, um, for most of Washington's men, their enlistments were up on December 31st. Well, the attack took place on December 26th, so Washington knew he had to do something dramatic, or he was going to lose his entire army. There would be no army, um, you know, if he waited a week to do something. So, anyway, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show.
1: Welcome back. Good to have you here for The Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, back to the studio, here's Roger Franklin Williams.
2: Friends, welcome back to The Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to be with you today. It's great to spend some time, just me and you, and uh, talking about literally one of my favorite topics in life, George Washington specifically, and the Revolutionary War period. I um, have been informed we will not be joined by Marjorie and Carla today, Uh, from Topaz, which is uh, okay. We'll um, get them rescheduled. Look forward to having them join us again sometime soon. Uh, And before we go further, of course, I want to remind you the Roger Franklin Williams show is presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster, which is where you'll find generous servings of prime beef and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old-school elegance and sophistication. Also, I want to let you know that our program and all the programs you hear right here on AM 950 and FM 94.9, the answer, are supported by Florida Door Solutions and our messages of patriotism and support for our free enterprise system. If you have garage door problems, I urge you to contact Florida Door Solutions. They, Florida Door Solutions has your solution, and you can find them at FLADOR.com. Or just give them a call at 866-FLA-DOOR. That's 866-FLA-DOOR. Please tell them you listen to FM 94.9 and AM 950, The Answer. They always love getting calls from our listeners. Now, we will go back to, we'll finish up some more um, comments about George Washington, kind of pick up where we left off. Which was at the Battle of Trenton, and the point that I want to you know, reset things briefly. Um, of course, many of us, probably most, um, probably almost everybody that listens to our program, did learn about the Battle of Trenton, or you know, when we were in school. The thing that I have learned since those days, um, from reading more about the period, more about George Washington, more about that particular situation is is I don't think um, we really learned it. When we learned it, we knew how precarious and how, how dire the circumstances were when the battle was fought and what the stakes were. And the stakes were, um, and this is as, as, as brilliantly uh, documented in the book 1776 by David McCullough, sadly the late David McCullough. Of course, he passed away last year. And this man was just what an extraordinary historian, an extraordinary academic, a man who had incredible love for our country, um, love for people like George Washington as he learned more about them, and a, just a great patriot. And, you know, it's just really, really sad. It really hurts my heart to see uh, a, a generation of, of outstanding historians like David McCullough and him, David McCullough specifically, uh, pass away because uh, something tells me I don't know if we have another generation coming up behind him who have the respect and the love and the understanding of United States of America that, that those men did and that David McCullough specifically did. But anyway, his all of his books are incredible resources. They're easy to read. They've got tremendous history. And my personal favorite is the book 1776. Which really, really documents the the Battle of Trenton and and the incredible dire circumstances behind it, and 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 makes the point that you know first without that bold, incredibly bold move by George Washington, and without it being successful, and it was a high risk venture, and I would say the odds were certainly less, much less than fifty fifty, that it was going to uh, be successful, uh, probably much less. Then fifty fifty, they'd even be able to get across the river, um, much less when they engaged the Hessians in battle. Um, but but had it not been successful, the country would have most likely folded right then and there, because the Continental Army, which is I mean you know obviously going to have a revolution, you have to have the army, had dwindled from something in the neighborhood of twenty to twenty five thousand men um, in early in spring of seventeen seventy six down to approximately 2,000 that were with Washington and just another 1,500, 2,000 with two other generals. And, I'll, and hopefully I'll have a chance to mention, talk about, you know, say a word or two about them in just this minute, uh, General Char- Charles Lee and, and General Horatio Gates, both who were very disloyal to Washington and both certainly, in my opinion, were not very good generals either. Um, and they were they were his chief, they were the number t- two and three guys under Washington, so one more problem, if, if, if Washington didn't have enough problems to deal with, um, he had to deal with a problem of, of I would say, incompetent leadership uh, underneath him um, that he's relying on, and but certainly uh, disloyal uh, leadership. Uh, nobody disputes that Gates and that General Gates and General Charles Lee w- were disloyal to, to Washington, overtly disloyal. Working hard to stab him in the back, writing letters to the Continental Congress, um, saying they should be the general, uh, pointing out Washington's, uh, weaknesses, trying to stir up, um, you know, opposition to George Washington. This is, these are the two guys that Washington's having to rely on, um, as, as his two top generals. So anyway, it just, it, it's, it's, it almost hurts your head to think about all the incredible obstacles that, that Washington had to deal with, um, um, and, 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 and was able just to continue to persevere, and continue to to move forward, to continue to fight for the cause, believe in the cause, and and just absolutely refuse to give up. So, but but to get back to the the point of the Battle of Trenton is they've gotten down to you know mid mid December, hardly any food, you know incredibly, tremendously inadequate supplies, just all kinds of, of problems. And um, so anyway, the um, Army had dwindled, just a few thousand men. Men were in tatters, wearing rags. Some men didn't even have shoes. McCullough makes the point that you could tell uh, where the Army had been by the blood and the snow. From the men's feet bleeding, I mean that, that's that's what he was working with, if you will. That was his quote unquote army. And but the point is, even with that army, and, and at that point enlistments were for a year, and um, so, so the, the enlistments were up <laughs> by by December thirty first. Um, most of Washington's men, the few that were even left, were going to be able to go home. And who wouldn't have gone home in those circumstances? So my point is he knew that even though most of his other um, officers advised against even attempting the crossing of the Delaware, even attempting attacking the Hessians, he knew that unless something happened, he made something happen. Nothing was going to happen. Anything that was going to happen is going to be bad. He was going to have to make something happen, and he was going to have to do something to inspire these men to continue to fight. Um, and of course the the flip side is one um, if they had not been able to cross the river two if they had not have been successful in battle against the hessians if they had been defeated then and i think this is what we did not learn in school well, well then there's no there's no revolutionary war <laughs> revolutionary war is over there's no continental congress you know how can you be having a having a revolution when you have an army to fight the revolution so those were the stakes uh, at the battle of trenton um, in fact, um, as he was you know, talking to the men and telling them what they were about to attempt to do, what he was asking them to do, um, and, and, and you, know, he, you know, obviously, everybody knew he didn't have to overemphasize how how precarious the situation was and how difficult the mission was, and you know, and, and, you know, and what a long shot it was. Frankly, um, the the phrase, the code for the mission, was "liberty or death." <laughs> that that was their motto liberty or death and those were the stakes um but anyway that's just and, and and the point is without washington's words can't even really describe it the 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 magnitude of his leadership the magnitude of his ability as a general both in terms of of inspiring his troops and i think inspiring is exactly the right word inspiring his men to do uh, extraordinary efforts, almost superhuman human efforts, uh, without all those things that Washington was able to do, without his daring, bold um, idea, and the ability to to pull it off—that's the thing. I mean, it, there's a just because somebody has a bold idea or has a great innovative solution doesn't mean they're able to make it work. Washington was able to make it work, and that led to the continuation of the war it led, literally saved the country at that moment. Yeah, the, what was known as the, and I don't even know if we were actually known, we probably weren't even known as the United States of America at that time, um, the, 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 the rebellion, if you will, the Revolutionary War, if you will, would have come to a screeching halt at the end of December, in the early part of January, December 1776, early days of January 1777, without the battle what the successful execution of the battle of Trenton. And that was all George Washington. Well, friends, it's been great to be with you today. It's it's been, you know, for me personally, it's been great to be able to spend a whole hour sharing a little bit with you about George Washington. Once again, as we wrap things up, I want to give a big shout out to our friend, Dr. Patrick St. Germain and remind you that he also supports all of our programs right here on, AM 950 and FM 94.9 The Answer and our messages of patriotism and support for our free enterprise system and, of course, remind you as well that Dr. Patrick St. Germain and the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic have been voted best chiropractor for now 16 years in a row. So when you're in pain, I encourage you, I urge you to call our friend Dr. Patrick St. Germain and the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic. And so, and just as we close on the Roger Franklin Williams show, I it's been great to be able to share, have have a little time to share about George Washington and his extraordinary inspirational leadership. And I think that's something that I find uh, even on a daily basis inspirational is to think about Washington and you know his, his his extraordinary abilities, but especially in the core of it, were two primary things his. First and foremost, his Christian faith, his overt, obvious Christian faith, and his belief in the cause, his belief in government of, by, and for people. Friends, have a great day.